is John Finnamore's souvenir programme. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the driver speaking. I'd like to apologise for the delay to your service. We're just being held behind a red signal. It's not quite clear what the hold-up is, but rest assured we're doing everything we can to get you moving again as soon as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the train manager. Just to clarify the driver's remarks there, when the driver says, we're doing everything we can, he doesn't mean him. <laughs> He's not doing anything at all, because he can't. Ladies and gentlemen, please ignore the train manager. I obviously can, and I am. Well, he's not, because he can't. For all he loves to give it the old PA, the fact remains he's basically sitting in front of two buttons there, stop and go. <laughs> and if he presses go when he's not allowed to go, it won't go. <laughs> a chimp could do his job, except a chimp would get bored. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please disregard the train manager who has been like this all day. <laughs> and when I say train manager, as you all know, I basically mean ticket inspector. <laughs> I assure you, I am closely monitoring the situation. Oh, I am not saying he's not closely monitoring the situation <laughs> in the same way as he closely monitors the situation on EastEnders. And, <laughs> and, and with, to be clear, exactly the same amount of control over what happens. <laughs> and I am not a ticket inspector. Oh, no, I was forgetting about all your other responsibilities. Like, if someone's sick, you have to clear it up. <laughs> right, that's it. I've had it with you. I'm getting off at the next station. Fine with me, because what's good about that is that it doesn't matter <laughs> if the train manager's on the train or not. Some trains have train managers on, some don't. No-one cares. <laughs> Whereas all trains have a driver. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Well, what about the Docklands Lake Railway? <laughs> I keep telling you that is not a train, that is an automated light metro system! <laughs> in common with a man. Ladies and gentlemen, the signal's gone to green. Your next station stop is Leicester. <laughs> OK, Lachansky, we know you were at the warehouse, but we know you had nothing to do with the break-in. So, listen, just tell us what you saw, and we'll cut you a deal, OK? I don't know what you're talking about, officer. I don't know nothing about the warehouse. Stop! Messing with us, Lachansky. You were there and you were up to your eyes in it, so tell us everything that went down, or so help me God, I will personally see to it you get ten years. <laughs> oh, jeez, Gus, you're really still doing the old nice cop, nasty cop routine. You think i never seen it before? Give me a break. Okay, wise guy, you know so much about cops. Who am I then? Who the hell am I? <laughs> I don't know, a nastier cop? The hell I'm nasty, cop! Use your brain, Lachansky, you dumbass! Angry cop! Damn 
damn straight I'm angry, Coffin. Don't you forget it. <laughs> oh, this guy really knows his types of cop. Let's just call it a night, huh, fellas? Oh, so who are you, defeatist cop? Nah, I ain't defeatist. I'm just... Well, overwhelmed cop? Nah, you're overthinking Sleepy it. cop. There we oh. go. <laughs> I warrant detecting my defining attribute will not be so simple a task. Wordy cop. Ha! Not even close. You'll never get it. Never, I tell you. Melodramatic cop. Not if you had a thousand guesses. Ten thousand. I am unguessable. <gasps> Eubristic cop. Alack, I am unmasked. Pride goeth before a fall. Well done, Lachansky. But I think you will find me harder to pin down. Cop who speaks in haiku. Damn, it seems I have... <laughs> Underestimated your knowledge of verse forms. But still, Lachansky, we, we know you cracked that warehouse yourself, and we got a dozen witnesses who'll swear to it. Lying cop? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we know you didn't do the break-in, but the Romano brothers did, and you were their getaway driver. Truthful cop. Ah! <laughs> well, boys, I hear you got a confession out of Lachansky. Yes, boss. Good work. What you use, the old nice cop, nasty cop, angry cop, sleepy cop, hubristic cop, haiku cop, lying cop, truthful cop routine? Yeah. Well, well it uses a lot of manpower, but you can't argue with the results. <laughs> uh, James? Yep? Yeah? Uh, just been talking to my parents on the phone. They said they're coming to town next week and they were sorry they'd miss us. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, we're not going anywhere next week, are we? No. So, sorry, what, what happened? Yeah, your mum emailed me and I said we were going away because I didn't want them to stay with us. Sorry. What? Why? Because they're really annoying. Sorry. <laughs> OK, look, I'm really angry about this. I mean, first I know, thing... I'm really sorry. Also, on the way back from swimming yesterday, I let Alfie have a McDonald's. I'm really sorry. What? What's that got to do with it? Absolutely nothing. I'm really sorry about it, though. Yeah, you should be. You agreed we had to cut down on his junk food. I know. I'm sorry. And that it can't always be you that gets to be the fun dad. I know. I'm sorry. Also, that nice grey shirt you think you've lost, I borrowed it and I got a cigarette burn on it, so I threw it away. What? Wait I'm a minute. I'm really sorry. I haven't finished with the McDonald's thing. No, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> what the thing with my parents? No, I'm really sorry about that. That was a brand new shirt. No, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> also, it was my cigarette burn because sometimes I've been smoking in the car. Oh, James, we were going to give up together. I know, I am so sorry. Also... No, stop. Stop. Why do you keep saying new things? Um, because I'm trying something really cynical and shallow. I am so sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, the thing is, I reckon you would be cross about any one of these things, and honestly, with good reason, I'm so sorry, for three days. Right? But I don't think, however hard you try, you'll be cross about all of them for 30 days. <laughs> so I thought I'd try serving my sentences concurrently. <laughs> You know, in parallel, not in series. You mean you're, you're asking for other offences to be taken into consideration? Yeah, that's it. I'm amalgamating all my little sorries into one big, easy-to-manage, really, really sorry. <laughs> my God, you're right. That is so cynical and shallow. I know. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Did you say 30 days? Yeah, there's six more to come. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's OK. I understand. Really? Yeah, of course. I mean, to be honest, I've been doing a similar thing. Have you? Well, I suppose the opposite thing, really. You know how I don't really do all these kinds of stupid little things that you do? Yeah. Yeah, that's because a couple of years ago I decided to not spend all your forgiveness on a string of little things, but to save it all up. So I can do one really awful thing. <laughs> what? what thing? Oh, I haven't decided yet. 
but don't worry, when I do, you're going to be really, really sorry. <laughs> Cerberus, you might have heard of us. We don't want to boast, but we are quite renowned. I guard the gates of hell, we guard those gates as well, for we are three heads of one infernal hound. But when travellers reach Hades' portal, be they hero, god or mortal, they run or fight or stand their spell bound, but they Cerberus a biscuit Or even three biscuits Yeah, one for each head Nobody seems quite prepared to risk it Which seems a bit weird As they're already dead Nobody takes Cerberus for walkies We'd love some walkies, please We don't mind how quick To all the underworld we hold the door keys But they'll be yorkies if you throw us a stick They slash or stab or try to choke him They don't pat him, they don't stroke him No, not the tiniest amount No one squeaks his squeaky toy No one tells him he's a good boy All three good boys, depending how you count Somebody bring Cerberus a biscuit Or even three biscuits And walkies as well Otherwise one day we might just quit it Stop guarding Hades And you can all go to hell Help yourself to hell when I get this job. Oh, really? Yeah, I love skiing. I mean, I'm not really good or anything, but I go with a gang of my friends when we can manage it. We always have a great time. Fantastic. Mm. And so, how about you? What are your hobbies? Hobbies? Um, Oh, uh, I don't think I I I really have any hobbies, exactly. No, no, I just mean, what are your interests? You know, what do you like doing? Uh, uh... Okay, say something now. No, not er. Say an actual thing. Now. Let me think. She is letting you think. Why then aren't you thinking? Come on, what are your interests? Oh, God, I'm not interested in anything. Come on, what do I like doing? What do I do with my time? I always seem really busy, and now I can't think of a single thing I do. Um, work? Can't say that. Travelling to work? Coming home from work? Eating? fiddling with my phone. Sometimes I go to the gym, but not very often, and I don't enjoy it. I hate it. In fact, I, I seem to hate everything I do. Uh, never mind. Just... No, no, no. I enjoy... What? What do you enjoy? <laughs> you must enjoy something. Um, films. Films. Sometimes I watch films. Yeah, but so does everyone in the world. <laughs> well, what if she's really into cinema and asks me about Truffaut? Is Truffaut even a director? Or is it a restaurant? <laughs> no, I'm thinking of truffles. <laughs> this is not helping! OK, what do I like? What do I like? What do I like? I like uh, a wine. I like wine. I can't say wine. Sounds like I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> it's not like I know anything about it. I just like drinking it. <laughs> God, maybe I am an alcoholic. <laughs> Don't get distracted. Um, what else do you like? Uh, uh, olives. I absolutely love <laughs> olives. 
No, no, stop just saying things you can see on the table. Um, ice cream. No, no, that's just something on someone else's table. And anyway, you can't pause for 20 seconds and then say you like ice cream. You sound like you're six. There must be something. There must be something I do that a normal adult would answer and it would be an okay answer. What do I do on holiday? Um, read. Not really, though. A drink. We talked about that. Uh, skiing. Sometimes. Oh, skiing. Of course, it's perfect. It's athletic. It's adult. It's a skill. I do genuinely enjoy it. It's the perfect answer. Damn it, damn it, she said skiing. Okay, so that's good. It's a shared interest. You could. No, no. If I said it straight away, it would have been great. It would have been a connection. But now, it just sounds like I'm parroting back what she liked. Okay, this is really serious now. I really have to say something. I have to say something. Something. Anything. Anyway, um, do you want another... Ice cream! I'm sorry? I like ice cream. That's nice. Yes. Yes, it is nice. That's, uh, I think that's why I like it. The niceness is... The thing I like. <laughs> oh, hang on, I'm a mountaineer. <laughs> Too late now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the train manager speaking. For those of you who just joined us, I'd like to welcome you aboard this cross-country stopping service to Birmingham New Street. Please do familiarise yourself with the safety information posted in each carriage. And please also, if you wouldn't mind, Join me in showing your appreciation of our driver today, who does a very difficult and responsible job with enormous skill. For he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow. And so say all of us on the train. And <laughs> and I'd also like to take this opportunity to make passengers aware that the Docklands Light Railway is an automated light metro system. All right, then. The driver would like to thank the train manager for his kind words and he will find his ticket machine in the locked disabled toilet at Narborough Station. <laughs> Thank you. John, can I have a quick word with you? Yeah, sure, Simon. What is it? Well, look, don't take this the wrong way, huh? but the rest of the cast and me, yeah. we just think maybe you're over-relying slightly on the trick of getting one of us to break out of character and point out what's wrong with the sketch. Uh, <laughs> Like, like it's racist or you haven't written a punchline. Oh, am I doing that a lot? I don't know. Maybe, yes. <laughs> I, I thought it was quite fun. You know, it sort of gave the show texture. Well, yeah, maybe once or twice, but you are using it a lot now. And it is sort of having your cake and eating it a bit, isn't it? Well, I don't think so. Mm, it, it is. And, and the other thing is, it makes us, you know, the actors... The actual real people you pretend are speaking to you, who are also your friends, by the way, look a bit mean and pompous. Oh, Simon, I don't think you're mean or pompous. No, nor do I. I, I think you make us sound mean and pompous. Uh, case in point, this sketch in particular 
is making me come across like a total arsehole. Well, so you're actually complaining about this sketch we're doing now? I don't know, John. Uh, you tell me what I'm complaining about. You wrote all this for me to say. And, by the way, I'm getting a little tired of the way you always use me specifically when you want a member of the cast to bully you. Are you really? No. Or rather, who knows? Because I am still reading your lines. None of what I'm saying represents what I, Simon Kane, actually think or feel. Not even this! <laughs> okay, look, you, you don't think this is all getting a bit self indulgent, do you? <laughs> hmm? You have such a cheek. <laughs> Sitting at your computer. Writing that line for you to ask me as if it's somehow my fault and then writing this answer for me to say, yes, of course, it's self-indulgent! Massively self-indulgent! So for God's sake, stop it! Oh, I don't know how to stop. How can I get out of this? I don't know! I'm still reading lines! <laughs> Make one of the others say something! Make what? Anything! Hello! I'm a silly teapot. Whoops, where's my head? Seriously, John, that's the best you could do? I didn't actually write that. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, everyone. That, that was me. I was bored. <laughs> well, since you ask me for a tale containing the sentence... That robot weasel might just be King Edward VII. <laughs> I don't have anything like that. I mean, seriously, what were the odds? However, I do have one containing the sentence, That robot weasel might just be Queen Victoria. Is that any good? Very well, then. Settle down and attend. It was the February of 1901. And I, along with the rest of the Empire, was in deep mourning for our late Queen. Trains were cancelled, armies of urchins employed to spray the new-fallen snow with soot, and an Act of Parliament made it illegal to use the word cheese because it made people look as if they were smiling. <laughs> I was at work in my laboratory. I had been working on a cure for smallpox, but in the light of our great bereavement, this seemed too hopeful and frivolous an undertaking, so I was instead conducting an experiment into whether it was possible to make copper cry. <laughs> there was a knock at the door and my housekeeper showed in two gentlemen in black suits, black coats, black armbands and top hats decorated as was my own with an engraving of Britannia sobbing into a bulldog Ah, Professor Finnamore Said one My name is Sir Hugo Hush Head of Britain's newly created Let's just keep this between ourselves, shall we, service <laughs> And this gentleman with me is so distinguished that for security's sake he must remain anonymous Certainly, if you wish it, said I. But I think you can trust to my discretion, Prime Minister. Does it? Cried my visitor. How the devil did you know? Oh, it was simple enough. You see, you are the Prime Minister. <laughs> I know that, but we've never met. True, but photographic likenesses of your face have appeared in many publications. Oh, no, have they? Curse this damnable press intrusion. It was bad enough when they started copying down my speeches and telling everybody what I was saying. But letting them know what I looked like as well, well, that's going too far. 
Be that as it may, Fenimore. Broke in, Sir Hugo. We have come to speak to you today about this business of the death of Queen Victoria. She was taken from us too young, Fenimore. So many ideas left unshared. So many ways of mourning Prince Albert still to teach us. <laughs> Indeed so, said I. But after all, there is nothing that can be done about it. Perhaps not. Or perhaps not. Perhaps not. <laughs> that is to say... Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Take a look in here. He handed me a brass-bound case the size of a hatbox. I looked within and gasped. Queen Victoria's brain! Quite right, Finnemore. I see the tales of your mental agility have not been exaggerated. Thinking quickly, I elected not to explain that I had, in fact, had no idea what the strange grey thing in the box was, but that Queen Victoria's brain is simply an exclamation I make when I am surprised. <laughs> but how did you get hold of it? At the very moment that the vital spark would otherwise have been extinguished, for the more a certain experimental medical procedure was carried out to obtain the brain. Did you saw the top of her head and then scoop it out with a big spoon? <laughs> I am not at liberty <laughs> to disclose the size of the spoon. But look here, broke in the Prime Minister. The fact is, it's no good to us just bobbing about in a hat box. It needs a body. And so, of course, we came to you, Finnemore the foremost pioneer in the field of automation. I made a slight bow. It would have been foolish to deny the compliment. My army of automated metal hedgehogs were the toast of Europe. <laughs> no grand society ball was complete without at least half a dozen of them zipping about with their titanium spikes laden with cubes of pineapple and... <laughs> ...rated coagulated dairy product. <laughs> it be done, Fenimore? Uh, Sir Hugo? Can you build a new casing for the regal think box? No doubt I can, I replied. But I must urge caution, gentlemen. As a scientist, I believe any brain divorced from the body and soul must become dehumanised to the point of monstrousness. <laughs> then you won't do it. Oh, no, I'll do it. I'm just saying, once I've done it, look out! <laughs> Things are going to get monstery. All that night, I toiled at building the royal exoskeleton, whilst my mechanical hedgehog servants brought me fortifying coffee and sandwiches, one of the ingredients of which was pickle. <laughs> Out of simple patriotism, I made the robo-queen eight foot tall, and naturally, I equipped her with ceremonial swords, maces, and other weaponry, the better to enhance her majesty and terrify foreigners. <laughs> After all, it wasn't as if any brain divorced from the body and soul must become dehumanised to the point of monstrousness. No one thought that. By dawn, my work was done. Reverently, I opened the hatch under the crown and tipped my late monarch's brain into a fishbowl full of electric water or something. <laughs> her aluminium eyelids flickered, her cupronical lips parted, and she spoke. What have you done to us? She gazed down at her new casing. What have we become? Do you like it, Your Majesty? No. We hate it. We hate it. But, Your Majesty, I have brought you back. Happy and glorious. Long to reign over us. I saved the Queen. <laughs> and, and think how delighted your people will be. They who grieve you so sorely. And I flung open the laboratory doors. I had hoped that the display of the great mourning into which her passing had thrown a nation would soothe the crotchety steam-powered monarch. But instead, the sight seemed to madden her and made the brass-bound portholes of her eyes glow with fire. Fire, I hoped, was metaphorical, but as her inventor knew only too well, was not. <laughs> she surveyed the scene and croaked out. Why 
weren't you this sad about Albert? <laughs> Our eyes flashed again. Two jets of, as I had feared, decidedly non-metaphorical fire burst forth and incinerated the snow-painting urchins and the unstoppable robo-queen lurched into the night. Well, the job was done and naturally I thought no more of it. <laughs> Long, my two visitors were back in my laboratory nagging on about it again. She must be stopped, Philomar. She's terrorising the city. She's got hold of a giant pair of ceremonial scissors and she's been running round London opening things. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound too bad. And when I say things, I mean people. <laughs> How do you know it was her? Well, she's, she's fairly distinctive, Philomar. <laughs> there aren't many eight-foot-tall psychotic robo-monarchs running about London. Not since we captured Nicholas the Electros are. <laughs> And anyway, she always leaves a calling card at the scene of a crime. Here, I'll show you one. He pulled a silken cord, and a small curtain fell away, revealing a brass plaque engraved, This Chelsea pensioner was opened by Her Metallic Majesty, <laughs> Queen Victoria. We'll be back. <laughs> Very well, gentlemen, said I. To capture a giant berserk robot Queen Victoria, one must think like a giant berserk robot Queen Victoria. Where would she go? What does she want? Aha! I have it, and without delay, I set out for Kensington. Sure enough, when, just after midnight, I reached the Albert Memorial, there she was, gazing into the gilt face of the huge bronze statue. At my step, she turned. We are Giant Metal Victoria. He is Giant Metal Albert. Indeed. But we feel nothing. We see Albert, but we are not sad. We open costermongers with giant scissors, but we are not amused. We feel nothing. Nonetheless, a tear rolled down her copper cheek, which at least gave me a data point for my earlier experiment. <laughs> Alas, Your Majesty, said I, as I predicted all along, without the body and soul, the mind is monstrous. Then destroy us. I cannot do that, ma'am. It would be treason. Then decant us into a new body. One in which we will not be recognised. One in which we can live a simple, carefree life. Oh, and ideally one which incorporates convenient storage for cubes of cheese. Oh, your Majesty. Oh, it's all right. We're allowed to say it. Well, naturally I obeyed the royal command. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if one night... As you look out on the hedgehogs gambling in your garden, one seems somehow both shinier and more imperious than the others. Might I ask you to put out, along with the cat food, a few ball bearings and perhaps a dish of WD-40? You see, that robot hedgehog might just be Queen Victoria. What? Oh, did you say robot weasel? Oh, no, I don't have any like that. John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme was written and performed by John Finnamore with Margaret Caborn Smith, Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin, and Harry Quinlan. Original music was composed by Susanna Pierce and performed by Susanna Pierce and Sally Stairs. The producer was Ed Morrish, and it was a BBC radio comedy production. Or at least we hope so. But I suppose you'll be the judge of that. <laughs>